the fishing without bait, whether you've got here by accident or on purpose, you've reached our domain. And fishing without bait is a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people explode into their lives with our concept of full impact mindfulness. There's no admission fee, only the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. We're not looking for people to help find themselves. We're looking for people to help create themselves. The best way to predict a future is to create one. So if you have the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try, jump in the canoe and start paddling and jump on board. As always, I'm Jim Ellermeyer. I'm a behavioral health therapist. And as promised, we offer an eclectic roster of guests who talk about their stories of recovery and getting from here to there and sharing with their lives the possibilities and how to get there. So today we're joined by our friend Carl, who builds himself as the anxiety commander. Carl, welcome aboard. Howdy, howdy. How you doing? You know, I just heard you say there's no admission. I, I, what was that fee that I paid when I first came in? Was that, 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 was, that wasn't for me, I guess, then, right? No, no, no. That's, uh, that's for our producer. Oh, okay. All right. I just wanted to be sure that I wasn't getting sure. special treatment from the get-go. So, Carl, what's good about being you? What's good about being me? Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I am a very, very fortunate person that uh, at this stage in my life, I can say that knock on wood, that uh, uh, everything is as, as I would like it to be. Uh, I'm, I'm healthy. I have a terrific family. Uh, and I'm at a, at a place where I'm able to finally try and uh, let go of some of the, the uh, challenges that I have had throughout the last several decades, uh, struggling with uh, anxiety and panic disorder. So I think the, what, what's cool about being me right now is that I'm in a position where I can take that step. Well, as we often we say in the recovery world, it's difficult to interact with someone who has never been in that situation. Uh, I say, always say it's like trying to explain the color red to a person who can't see or explain how what a lion roar sounds like to someone who uh, cannot hear. So when you're dealing with somebody with anxiety, it's always best to have swum in that water yourself, Carl. For sure. And, and I'll try not to take personally the analogy of color red because I happen to be colorblind. Okay. So good luck explaining colors to me. I see them a little differently than perhaps some do. But uh, no, I, I, I see what you're saying and, and I agree. One of the reasons that uh, I, I sort of took this plunge and I guess I'll, you, you teed it up for me. Let me at least give you 30 seconds on what it is that I'm doing at this point to make myself feel a little more useful and to feel like I'm able to, to, to change my life for the better. Um, for, uh, for the foreseeable past, you know, I have uh, suffered with high levels of anxiety and panic disorder. And because of my professional life, uh, I've always felt that, uh, and family for the most part, I've always felt that uh, I did not really feel that that was something I wanted to share. Uh, it was very private. Uh, I, I, I'm sure there was an element of shame in it. And I know for my, uh, for my children, I have a 20 and a 24 year old. I was petrified that in some way I was going to pass down that uh, that angst that I tend to carry around. And then I, I came to a point a few months ago where I realized that, you know, I might be doing more of an injustice to them and certainly not helping anybody, including myself, by keeping these types of thoughts and feelings uh, under wraps. So uh, in pure Carl fashion, I went completely the other direction. I decided I was going to 
start a YouTube channel where I do nothing but talk about anxiety and let people share their stories, including myself, and give people a safe place to be able to say to themselves, hey, you know what, um, you're, you can be an actual successful adult, uh, you can be a successful healthy person and still have these struggles, and that's okay. And so that is uh, where, where the channel was born, and that's really what I'm spending uh, my time on right now, trying to make a safe place for people to be able to come and feel that they're going to be able to get some basic information, that they won't be judged, and maybe a little bit of, uh, a little bit of encouragement along the way too. That's a key concept of being in a safe place where you can perhaps explore some new behaviors in a safe environment without being judged. So it sounds like uh, you had your own time of uh, troubles, Carl. For sure. Uh, for sure. You know, I, I am in the uh, insurance industry and I also act as an insurance expert witness in complex litigation cases. So I get called for criminal and, and uh, civil trials uh, that have a lot riding on them. And uh, yeah, I've had enough times when I've had, uh, you know, when I've been sitting waiting to be called to the stand and I've thought, what if I start feeling uncomfortable right now? What if I, what if I have a panic attack right now? What if, what if, what if? And uh, I, I've definitely been, I've been through it all, right? And uh, I feel that I'm not, uh, I'm not in a position now where I would in, in any way, shape or form claim that that's all behind me. But the idea that there's something inherently wrong with me because I suffer with those issues is far behind me. Okay. Well, it sounds like this just didn't happen when you became an expert witness. It sounds like this had been brewing for a considerable period of time in your life. It has. Uh, and, and the truth is my, my wife of, of uh, I call her my bride of 29 years, uh, has been be, has been really keeping this between us uh, and really nobody else. And it's been a challenge. And, uh, and, and I think over the last several years, as our children have gotten older, you know, gone to college, moved out, and it's just been the two of us, and I started to realize that there was an, this was a lot of burden that I was actually putting on her as well. Uh, so I, I think I, I started pivoting to some extent that maybe it would be better if I didn't keep this pressure on her and on myself to have to keep these over-encompassing secrets that I'm just this no problemo guy that nothing bothers and that everything is good and that I don't get anxious and I don't get stressed and there's just no problems. Uh, and, uh, in, and there's actually, uh, there's another way to be. And, uh, you know, and, and similar to the way your intro started, the best way to know the future is to create it. And I suppose uh, in the last several months, I had decided uh, that I was going to create, uh, you know, I turned 50, uh, insert joke here, but, uh, and, I, and I realized that, uh, you know, I'd like the next 50 years to be different. Uh, you know, I don't want to do it the same way. And so this seemed like the largest change that I could make in my life. And, uh, and I just went for it. Well, in my practice, what I try to do, Carl, is help people figure out what's important. And understanding that my concept of when I explain therapy is that we're spiritual beings. We just happen to be having a human experience, and it's our enmeshment and ties to this human experience that is doodling our life up. And the real concept that, that life is absurd and stop trying to figure it out. And generally, when I suggest to folks that once we grasp all these three concepts, our work will be done. Bob Ross was asked once how he got so mellow and how he got so calm and even, and his answer was, I chose not to be angry anymore. 
Yeah, it's uh, it sounds almost too simple, but at the end of the day, sometimes we forget that we do make an awful lot of choices. And uh, you know, I was making the the conscious, very conscious choice for, like I said, decades, uh, that there were going to be certain things that I would not let people know about. And I think when I came to the realization that. I can actually choose to not do that. And as a matter of fact, there might be benefits to my health if I did not do that. Uh, and then finally stumbling down that rabbit hole to the point where I thought, you know, maybe sharing that experience and creating a place where other people might come to that same realization, that really felt good. And that's when I really started getting excited about it. Well, anxiety and worry, Carl, usually have the foundation that they sit on top of, and that's fear, one of the most fundamental emotions that we experience for sure for sure and and, and you know I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to a handful of experts so far just in the last few months about different types of uh, emotional disorders and I've I've learned a lot for example with OCD I you know I never really realized that OCD is really just a physical manifestation of an anxious person that's doing things to try and lower their level of anxiety uh, and, and it occurred to me at that point that I think really Everybody has anxiety. There's just a continuum. Some people might feel something, be a little anxious, and then eh, they're done. Other people toward the other end might feel something or even think about something, make themselves anxious, and then start ruminating on that and ruminating on that, and then start taking physical actions based on that, and everybody everywhere in between. So everybody on some level is an anxious person. It really just depends on how they've been trained or what they're their personal practice is about how they're going to actually deal with whatever level of anxiety they have. Yes, our reality is just our brain's best guess of it. And what we try to do is help people step back and look at situations rather than from them. There's a saying in the 12-step world that you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle. And that, that also applies, Carl, to anxiety and depression, relationships, when we're able to step back and look at the situation rather than from it, we have a much better uh, view and handle. Most people, Carl, live their lives on, I have to, I need to, I must, I'm better. No child's born with that vocabulary, Carl. It's true. And, and it reminds me also of something that, uh, you know, when I, again, I'm talking to so many <laughs> far more intelligent than I am people and getting all sorts of great information. Somebody told me in the last couple of weeks that there's a big difference between reacting and responding. You know, a reaction is something that just happens, right? You touch the stove, ow, you react, your hand comes off. Responding is when you actually stop, process, and decide what you're going to do next. And I think that that, that can take place with the, within relationships. It can take place during conversations. And it can even take place with how you're thinking. The thoughts that come to us in this just general stream of consciousness that we all live by, the, this, this, this monotone voice of our own, right, that, that, that dictates what we do and what we hear all day long, it's this voice in our heads, uh, we can decide how we're going to respond, not react, to those things that we're hearing. And those thoughts might be worries, those thoughts might be anything else. But at the end of the day, we do have a choice with how we decide to respond to them by not just reacting to them. I like the way you're talking. We're talking about pause before reaction. That brief moment where we separate the thoughts from action. However, usually the thoughts and the actions are entangled like a, like a twisty pretzel. And what I think you're talking about is, in, our, in my world, we have a differentiation between an emotional mind 
which I always liken to a three-year-old child at the grocery store counter that grabs the shiny thing or the candy and screams and reacts, versus the logical mind, which is kind of like a checkbook, black and white mind, and I liken that to, let's say Carl and Jim make a logical decision to feed the starving children. Logical decision. However, without adding any emotion into it, we spend the next six months trying to decide whether to feed the boys first or the girls first. So what we try to do is help people develop the meld, and we call that a wise mind. And what we try to incorporate in that into people's life is by keep asking yourself, is this a wise mind choice? Is this a wise mind choice? And we do that in safe situations, not just in uh, moments of, of crisis. It's practicing, it's sharpening the, the axe, it's polishing the apple, and Carl... Uh, most people believe that therapists should have some type of magical incantation or pixie dust powder that they spread and they're cured. They don't understand that the rewards in therapy are incremental and the progress can be slow and they can be, get frustrated. Well, it also goes down to, and, and I'll, I'll certainly say that uh, I've, I've had my share of them and I did start out looking for that magic wand uh, and, and darn it, it wasn't there. And then and it wasn't there with the next one or the next one. But I think what we, what you, what we really do realize, and at least I've come to realize, is that people that, that do, they'll go to the gym, right? If I said to you, I was going to just get ripped after you stopped laughing, uh, and I said I was going to start going to the gym every day to lift weights, you'd be like, you know, good job, good on you, that, that's awesome, right? That's, that's positive. But if I just said to you, you know, I think I'm going to start seeing a therapist that might be, be able to help me restructure some thoughts, maybe be a little less reactive, maybe even help me with a little bit of uh, being a little more mellow or just being more investigative about things that I'm doing in general. All of a sudden, you would look at me, well, you might not, but the average person would not have such a positive reaction to me as they would have if I just said I was going to decide to go to the gym, start lifting weights. And I feel that if people really understood or the stigma could change, or just the conversation could be changed, where people realize that our lives are seen through our, our everything up here, everything, everything starts from here, and the lenses that we're wearing. So for, for if you take the time to actually focus and learn how to process the information that comes in versus to just, you know, immediately react, like I said, that knee-jerk reaction, it changes every aspect of your life, because everything is seen through those two eyes, you know, this nose, these ears, everything goes through there. Well, we have to understand and ask ourselves whether our translator is interpreting the events correctly. Right, right. And, 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 that's, and that's the problem, is, I, is like you said, I think a lot of people are looking uh, for either quick fixes, right, to just feel better. I mean, that's, what we're, that's how we're wired, right? We want to avoid discomfort and get to comfort. And to whatever path that will happen the fastest, that seems to be the place, that seems to be the direction that we want to go. Uh, however, that's not always possible, right? I mean, I, I used to tell my kids growing up, I remember that, uh, you know, when you're faced with two choices and you really just cannot decide what it is, pick the choice that's going to be better in the long term versus the short term. You're usually going to be on the right track. And this is something akin to that, where, you know, going and, and getting sort of a mental health tune-up should not be something that is looked at with a jaundiced eye. It shouldn't be looked at as, oh, he's got problems. He's going to therapy. <laughs> not, not at all. Just the opposite. This is one smart cookie. He's, he's going or she's going. They're going somewhere to try and 
change their entire being by changing their perception, by changing their reactions. That should be something that should be celebrated uh, far from stigmatized the way it is right now. Well, when you talk about stigma, when most people say, oh my gosh, Mary's daughter is going to see a psychiatrist, their immediate thought is she's seeing flying dragons. Right. She's, she's, she has a problem, right? A serious problem in, even more so. And, and again, that's partly you know, the fault of, of, of just our general society. And I'll tell you, having, having talked to people from around the world in the last few months, uh, one conversation sticks out to me that I'll share. Um, first, I, I found it fascinating that people that come to the channel don't like to comment because on some, on some level that outs them, right? Yes. And people know who they are, but they'll email me, right? And I received this email from this gentleman that uh, I want to say he was in Egypt, maybe, or Dubai, I, I can't recall. And he was telling me how he had suffered a, a traumatic, traumatic event, and that he, uh, you know, he feels based on his, his Dr. Google, that he's <laughs> suffering from PTSD. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Uh, and uh, what what happened? But and, and he was reaching out to me. And he said the problem is that in his culture, it's that's not okay. Uh, he not only should it, it would be frowned on if he was saying that he needed to get any type of psychological or emotional help, but that particular type of event was something that should have actually made him tougher. It should have made him into more of a man. So here is this poor guy that's turned to you know YouTube searching to try and find help, and 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 this is on the other side of the world. So we've got such a long way to go. At least in our country, you know you can say whatever you want about healthcare politics. All aside, there are places that you can get help if you want it. There is places. There are places that are available that you can get counseling if you look hard enough. And I think that part of what needs to happen is. We need to change that conversation. I know that's so cliche to say, but it really is true to, to the extent where, you know, we, if right now I started talking about smoking cigarettes, your immediate reaction, and it would stay that way, is bad, right? We, we all just know in our collective brains that that's a bad thing. And somehow we need to change that, co that same collective thought that when you hear about going to therapy, that it's good and that it's a positive thing, and that it's a growth factor, not something that is uh, being done because they've, they're, they're at their wit's end, there's nothing left, it's like the last step before who knows what, because that seems to be the way people see it now. Like you said, they must be seeing dragons, or even worse. So, yes, if someone, no one walks through cancer wards kicking the beds telling people to snap out of it, and they can stop this if they want to. Oh, that's so well said. Yes, that's true. We're going to continue our conversation with our fantastic guest, Carl, on our next episode. And as always, we offer a free prescription. Fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug your television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. Do a kindness for yourself and do a kindness for another. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free, my friends. Namaste please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait.
This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.